Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Path 11 podcast with your hosts, Mike and April. Today, we're interviewing Nancy McMonagall, who is the executive director and president of the Monroe Institute, also known as TMI, an internationally renowned nonprofit organization dedicated to consciousness research and education. Nancy assisted in building the foundations of TMI with her stepfather, Robert Monroe, author of three books on out-of-body experiences, including the now classic Journeys Out of the Body. After helping to design, develop, and conduct programs using Monroe's Hemisync audio technology to help encourage expanded states of consciousness, still offered by TMI today, Nancy later served as TMI's director and president from 1983 to 1991. She then left the organization to work in the publishing industry and after that provided astrological services out of Intuitive Intelligence Applications, a company she co-owns and operates with her husband of remote viewing fame, Joseph McMonagall. Nancy returned to the Monroe Institute in the latter part of 2013 to assume her leadership role as its president and executive director, once again steering TMI in its mission of research and education, furthering the experience and exploration of consciousness, expanded awareness, and discovery of self. Well, Nancy, welcome to our show. We're very happy to have you. Thank you, April. I'm very honored to be here talking with you all today. Yeah, we're excited to hear what's going on with the Monroe Institute since we've actually been down there back in 2008 um, filming. But we would really like to kind of start off with hearing more about your history and, and slowly and gradually come up to what brought you to the Monroe Institute because you have a very interesting history and story, and I think our listeners would really love to hear some of the stuff that you've done over the years. Well, sure. Uh, I have been very fortunate uh, this time around to have had uh, Bob Monroe uh, first as a friend of the family. I met him when I was quite young, and uh, then as a mentor, and then later as a boss, and uh, as a stepfather. So starting with the early days, I was about 14 years old when I uh, was first um, really getting to know this gentleman whom we called Mr. Monroe at the time. Again, he was a family friend. But he also has some very strange talents that uh, worked right into our belief system because my mother was, I guess you'd call her a Christian mystic. And uh, so we were brought up with um, thinking that ESP, psychic events, uh, um, interesting coincidences, we didn't know the word synchronicity at that point, were all very normal. And then when out-of-bodies got introduced, that was just fantastic, as you can imagine, especially for this 14-year-old girl. And so learning about these things, and in fact learning some techniques for getting out-of-body, Having had the wonderful experience of Bob uh, basically regressing me um, uh, into a state which ended up being a peak experience, and that was at the age of 15, uh, with Bob having given me a tape recorder right next to my bed. And this is the old-fashioned kind that kids these days have never even laid eyes on. This is the real, real recorder. And it was right next to my bed, and on it were sounds. And these sounds were supposed to help me learn more quickly, to relax more quickly, uh, to focus my concentration, 
and also to help me learn how to control myself in all ways better, because he also had an affirmation along with these interesting sounds, which of course today are called hemisync, but then they were just an interesting combination of sounds. And there was an affirmation on this tape that I listened to every night. And again, I'm a teenager. I think I must have listened to it from 15, 16, 17 years of age. And the affirmation was, um, I choose to know and understand myself to the extent that I can exercise complete control of myself. Well, that's an interesting thought for a teenager, as you might imagine. And uh, so here I was in the midst of all this. I did end up actually um, having out-of-bodies uh, during those years. In fact, even shared um, a couple of experiences, out-of-body experiences, with Bob and my mother at that time. And uh, so then, as time went on, um, Bob uh, became my first employer. He had started the television cable company in Charlottesville, Virginia. And I was what was called a cable co-ed, as was my sister Penny, and uh, along with three or you know, three other gals. And we went around and sold television cable to people and told them, can you imagine you don't have to have an antenna on your roof to get television reception? Now, understand that was a totally new idea back then. We're talking 1966, right? So there he was as my first boss. Now he's a friend slash mentor. He's teaching me about Duke Ellington and jazz. He's teaching me to read biographies like Amelia Earhart. Uh, maybe indeed I might be a pilot someday. So you can see he was a, an inspirational force, certainly in my life growing up. He then um, actually provided for my college education where I studied in Japan and France. I studied foreign languages and Eastern religions. And then after I graduated, uh, I was uh, working with him, signing, not signing, pardon me, writing his fan mail letters with his approval, of course. And that was 1973, 74 when I started doing that. Meanwhile, Bob had just started giving programs. It was 1973, and that was when the first program occurred. If you feel a difference in sound or heard a difference in the sound, that is because our very loud air conditioning system just went off. So okay. I'm sure you probably noticed that. Um, I tease people and say it's my own private white sound that I have here to help keep me in a very nice, focused, relaxed state of consciousness. Anyway, so here we are. I'm answering Bob's fan mail. This is for his first book, Journeys Out of the Body. And... Um, at that point, it was just he and I in the lab, in the lab, the office area. But then we had all these interesting people coming around who became known later on as explorers. And what Bob was doing was testing these sounds with these people, teaching them to go into these very deep states of consciousness, way out there, or shall I say way in there, depending on one's perspective, learning about other aspects of reality and so forth, and eventually what happened is he got a patent on the um, concept here of frequency following response. That's actually what the, the patent was on. Um, and then later blending it with uh, binaural beats and white sound, pink sound, um, all became part of this thing we call hemisync to this day. The understanding, um, given a very simplistic model, was that it helped 
synchronize the left and right hemispheres of the brain by how the sounds were introduced to the ears, and I can go into that more later if you want. So in any event, here we are doing that, and um, Bob had had a very successful program at Esalen. This is in 1973. After that program, which went 24-7, by the way, if you can imagine, he had tapes going for these people. They would listen to the exercise, uh, which was taking them into another state of consciousness, starting with what he would call Focus 10. He called these levels of consciousness by focus level so that there would not be any overlay of any kind of spiritual or religious connotation. So he just thought, I'll give them numbers to keep it clean and simple. So focus 10, these people were learning to get into the state of body asleep, mind awake. From there you go to focus 12, the state of expanded awareness. Focus 15, a state of no time. Uh, focus um, 18, which is known as a heart space, a bit of a heart space where you're connecting with your heart. Uh, focus 21, which is kind of the bridge between physical and non-physical realms, and it goes on and on from there. So here we have now the budding of this whole new um, enterprise, if you will. And at that time, uh, Bob was simply oriented towards research until the program started. So we called the place Whistlefield Research Labs. Whistlefield was actually the name of the place where my family lived. And then he changed the name to Monroe Institute of Applied Sciences. And at that point is when we started giving programs. We continued the research, and we indeed did call it research, even though we weren't talking about doing a lot of biometrics and stuff other than GSR at the time. Uh, but what we were researching was this nebulous, <laughs> very hard to define thing called consciousness. How can we use it? And Bob was always of the mind, let's go explore. He was one of the most curious people you'd ever want to meet. He always wanted to find out how things worked. Especially since, of course, he had these weird experiences called out-of-body experiences. What's it all about? So we started the programs. We then started to get people coming in to help out, um, both with um, understanding what the sounds were doing as well as training the programs. One of those people was Tom Campbell, whom you all have interviewed already, I believe. Yes. Yep. Uh-huh. And um, Dennis Menrick, who was a, an electrical engineer um, cohort of, of Tom's, and Rosalind McKnight, who is known for her channeling ability. She's no longer with us. Shay St. John, who was a unity minister, became one, and is known for having channeled Maranon, and all of this... Uh, was taking place within our lab. So we've got the programs going, and um, I was going around the country, I think I was all of 25, 26 years old at the time, giving training programs. These were mainly weekend programs. The ones we had in Virginia were 10-day programs, if you can imagine. Uh, again, teaching people to how to get into these different, very expanded states of consciousness, these very targeted states of consciousness, and then teaching people how to use them. You see, now, one aspect, of course, people are attracted to Bob because of the out-of-body experience, so that was one thing. Well, all other people come because, let's say, they have just lost someone dear to them, someone has passed on, and the idea 
that what we can do is teach people how to experience these other levels so that they know. They don't just believe, but they know and understand that they are more than their physical bodies. So we were doing all of this since figure the early 70s. Well, at one point I decided it was time for me to go away and prove I was more than just the daughter helping out. So I left and went into publishing for about four and a half years. And then in 1983, I was asked to come back to the Institute as its director, which I was very happy to do. Um, so I left John Wiley and Sons Publishing, and then it just so happened, by the way, that my, the center of my territory, I was a salesperson selling textbooks to professors at various universities and colleges in Virginia, and the center of my territory was right here. So I lived locally at the time, and they asked me to come back to the Institute, so at that point, I did, um, 1983, and uh, uh, they also needed trainers. He had no uh, trainers left at that point, so I started training trainers. Some of the first programs we had, um, besides our Gateway program, what we call the Gateway Voyage program, we actually did three programs uh, for the Army, and uh, we called them RAPT programs. It's an acronym for Rapid Acquisition Personnel Training. And these were, this, well, it was all one intelligence group. And we were teaching these people how to get into these other states. They were very interested, of course, in the out-of-body and also this thing called remote viewing. Could they do this? Because wouldn't those be wonderful intelligence collection methods, you see? And so, and after all, the Russians were doing it. So we were doing that, and that is where I met this gentleman by the name of Joseph McMonagall. I was his trainer in this particular program. And, um, and of course, for people who are not aware of, of Joe's talents, Joe was probably one of the best, if not the best, remote viewer on the planet. Um, he was known as Remote Viewer uh, um, 001 uh, and uh, was able to produce psychic information in a very um, scientifically strict protocol, double blind, where, for example, you could write down on a piece of paper um, somebody's name um, or uh, the location of where the next uh, nuclear missile is going to be, whatever, and um, then put that in a sealed envelope. And you're looking for something, and then you say, okay, describe the target and tell me about it. He knows nothing about what is in that envelope. And he has always been able, with great, well, I think his accuracy rate is about 85%, to describe um, these targets or, or where the information is, is desired. So I ended up um, marrying Joe in, in 1984, at which point he also was retiring from the Army. And he has been associated with us here for a number of years also, um, and giving lectures to a uh, couple of our programs, as well as now um, being the trainer for our remote viewing program. So as you might imagine, it's been quite uh, an interesting ride, having had Bob Monroe as my stepfather, and now Joe as my husband for the last, uh, will be 31 years in November, 
And uh, again, I feel very blessed and very fortunate because it certainly has expanded my understanding of reality all the way across the board, again, starting at a very early age. Yeah, I, th I think anybody listening who's ever researched remote viewing will, will know Joe McMonagle and you know, along with his colleagues, Ingo Swan was another uh, big-time remote viewer, and right. uh, Skip Atwater, who we've talked to, who's worked at the uh, Institute uh, probably around the same time, right? That's when Skip got involved? Well, they actually, were... Skip was, uh, it's funny, he, in about 1976-77, I remember Skip calling our lab at one point and asking to speak to Bob, and eventually he came around, and this is when he was still at Fort Meade, and so he became a family friend at that time, and he was always bringing Bob interesting papers uh, about the effects of sound and who knows what else. And um, then after Skip retired and moved here on the property, which we call the new land, which I'll explain that in a second, but that is, Bob bought 800 acres of land and he divided it off into parcels and Skip bought one. And so then Bob brought him in, let me think, it would have been after, I want to say 1984, perhaps 1985, maybe around then, I'm not exactly sure. And he then was made the director of the lab. So he was here for a number of years and then also fulfilled the role I'm currently doing for a while. Uh, of executive director and president, and um, worked very much uh, on the new sound technology, uh, which we call SAM, which is an acronym for Spatial Angle Modulation, and it's different from Hemisync. We use both of those sounds now to help elicit the um, various states of consciousness. So What's the difference between Hemisync and the SAM technology? Hemisync is based on um, using tones in both ears. It's a stereo effect here, but it's like we're looking at the differential between tones. So you might have a 100 hertz signal in one ear and a 104 hertz signal in the other, and now you hear a 4 hertz differential. Now, it's like a third tone. Now, it's not really a third tone, but that the brain is acting like a mixer and creating this. And what ends up happening, this goes back to that frequency following response I mentioned earlier. Uh, if the brain starts kind of going in rhythm or being entrained to that four hertz signal, it is getting more and more relaxed. Because, or figure going even down to two or one, we're talking about going down into the deep delta brainwave signal, which is like deep sleep. And you bring it on up, five, six, seven, whatever, and you then go into theta or alpha, depending on the particular brain state you'd like to elicit. And so hemisync, along with binaural beats and pink sounds and other types of um, qualities of sound, along occasionally with verbal guidance, um, is what helps produce the, the states of consciousness that we're, we're trying to help people learn how to enter. With SAM, it's a single tone that is being moved um, spatially, and uh, so you can move it from left to right, you can 
move it up and over and, and, and you can also modulate that tone and depending on um, what kind of frequency, you know, how they're modulating it, how they're moving that signal also helps elicit different states of consciousness. I know with Sam, the reporting that most everybody says, what we must experience, is there seems to be a very focused state of consciousness at the same time as being deeply relaxed. One of the main differences is that hemisync tends to make people so deeply relaxed in their various states of consciousness that they're going to. We advise them not to work uh, drive cars or work with any kind of heavy machinery and so forth. With Sam, although we might give the same guidance, don't use this while driving, with Sam there tends to be much more of a laser focus of consciousness where you're super aware of your environment, but at the same time you're still relaxed, so it's you're holding this very relaxed, attentive state. And we're still finding out more and more about how Sam is affecting individuals. We have a program here called Event Horizon, which is based totally on uh, SAM um, recordings. And this has to do, again, with, with crossing the boundaries of our personal limitations, again, what we're calling the Event Horizon. And so through doing that, how can you get a true sense of freedom and learn about creating your own life in the ways you want and so forth. But again, it's very focused. In, in using hemisync, again, there's this deep, deep sense of um, being very aware, but so deeply relaxed. You know you have a body, but it's not really entering into your consciousness at all. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Not only that, you sleep better, and it helps reduce stress, which is, of course, really important. Right. Um, right. So, yeah. And again, not that Sam doesn't help uh, reduce stress. It does. But you're in a totally different state. Uh, it's like you're hyper-aware, hyper-aware of your environment, even as you're relaxed. Now, can you purchase uh, Sam technology yet, or is it only available at a workshop at the Institute? Actually, you can. We have some CDs uh, with music on them. Uh, Aqua Aura is, is one of the CDs. Um, in fact, I even made a little CD from a bird recording I made a couple of years ago. Uh, I just happened to love bird song. And it occurred to me it would be really nice for people who come here, because people who come to the Institute feel like this is their second home. And so I put together this recording, and then our um, director of technology, Bob Holbrook, put Sam underneath that. He bedded it with it. So you can be listening to the birds, which is a joyful, kind of relaxing experience for those people who like birds, of course. And then underneath that, with the Sam and other nature sounds, it's very good to have on in the office because it helps me focus on what I'm doing. Much like, say, the hemisync. Uh, concentration uh, tape, listen to me, tape, <clears throat> CD, or download. So <laughs> we date ourselves by using that word, tape. We still do it here. But anyway, so yes, there are, and we're getting ready to release four more uh, musical CDs. 
um, of different types of music, not just New Age music, but also we have one called Silver Wings that's available now. Uh, it's music uh, composed and, um, and performed by Peter Cayuga. And it's wonderful, wonderful stuff, including a, a female voice on it that will send you to the stars. Absolutely excellent. And again, that is bedded with Sam. Now, I wanted to ask about some of the, uh, the, the new seminars that you had this year at the Institute. They're a little different than previous ones. I know the, what is it, the Gateway program is kind of like your, your main That's right. workshop. Um, this year, you, you introduced, and I thought it was interesting, uh, a telekinesis uh, program back, I think that was early May, maybe late April. Actually, it, does, it looked like we were introducing it because we have this wonderful new marketing person. And the fact is, we've had the, it's called MC Squared, and that program has been around for a while. And Joe Gallenberger, uh, one of our long-term trainers, uh, designed this program, and uh, people love it, you know, because they learn how to do things like bend spoons, of course, illuminate light bulbs, and um, also using psychokinesis for such things as um, healing, um, getting better in touch with themselves at deep states, um, sending energy to specific targets. It does, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. But also what you do with this, here we go again, we're opening up belief systems, releasing old emotional stuff, releasing any kind of limitations, and that's one of the big things that, uh, that's done with MC Squared. So, and, and again, you're talking, as ever, about connecting with something bigger than we are. Um, Bob was real big on not using the word spiritual, but in fact, <laughs> it does have a very strong spiritual component to it. We just don't put that particular um, wording on it. It's, it's uh, anything, you know, you're talking about understanding life beyond physical matter reality. How can you, in fact, manifest things from this non-physical reality, these other states of consciousness, into this good old physical matter reality? And MC Squared very much... Um, deals with that. Talk to William, who's actually the first episode of the podcast, William Buhlman, and he's also in our films. He has a very successful uh, program that he does, uh, I think, four or five times a year at the Institute. That's correct. Uh-huh. And I, I believe he started a new program, uh, Destination Higher Self, is that correct as well? Well, yes, we haven't even had that one yet. It is coming up. And he and his wife, uh, will be uh, offering that. Let's see when the date of that is. You might even have that on your notes I, there. Mm. I don't have it in front of me, but I think it was August. Actually, it is. August 6th through 9th, it looks like here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, this is dealing, you know, uh, as I say, no, no one here has taken it yet because... <laughs> We, um, it hasn't been offered, but it's, it's dealing with looking at death and um, dying and learning more about what the next steps are. You know, how do you prepare for your transition from physical matter reality uh, to non-physical 
uh, theology. And so knowing Bill, there will be some really good techniques. Um, and his wife is, as I say, going to be involved with this too. Uh, she's been a hospice volunteer for quite a while and um, is, is certified as an end-of-life doula. Um, as well as being a Reiki master and all kinds of things. He's probably told you all this in his interview. So we're very excited about this because, um, in the, and again, we're talking about very spiritual stuff, um, mainly in terms of how to open up, get beyond the fear, uh, and, and, and experience uh, maybe a taste of, of what this might feel like as you get beyond this, this uh, physical matter. I also really love that you guys are offering a mini one-day program that's free, um, you know, from 10 to 4 throughout the year. It looks like you have a couple scheduled, one scheduled in June, one scheduled in September. And I think that's such a nice idea to, for people to just get their feet wet. I know I have a couple of friends that live kind of closer to North Carolina and some in the Virginia area that when they saw my films and, uh, you know, learned about the Monroe Institute, they're always like, oh, I want to go, I want to go, but they can never find the time to, you know, take time off of work to do the five-day program or, um, so right. this mini one-day program and having it be free and offering that to people to just have that experience, I think opens up probably many doors to people who were on the fence or do I really want to take time off of work to go and do this? So I think that that's wonderful that you offer that. Well, thank you, April. This is uh, something we've done for quite a few years here. And it's both a service, and keeping in mind we are a 501c3. We're a nonprofit, and we are a service organization. So it's a service we provide to the community. Also, it educates people about what we're doing. It gives them a taste of what it's like to get into these other states. And, of course, it is for free. We do accept donations, of course, but um, we do not charge for this. And uh, we have, uh, well, actually this year, one, two, three, four, five of them, um, and they're all full <laughs> at this time. Wow, that's so, great. Yeah, they're all full, but thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, we're very pleased to be able to do that. Now, I was wondering in looking at your history, too, that you have quite an extensive history in astrology. Yes. Now, uh, we haven't had a chance yet to interview anyone to speak on astrology for our podcast, but I'm sure that we will. But can you maybe shed some light just on that topic? And do you see any connection with astrology and, and out-of-body experiences and consciousness? And how would they all be connected? Are they similar or are they separate entities? Well, I would say they're probably separate entities. Um, because you don't have to get into an altered state uh, to perform the astrology practices or, or to practice astrology. Um, and in fact, years back, I mean, I've loved astrology since I was nine years old. My mother took me for my first reading then, you see. Mom was very much into all this. Um, my father, by the way, was not. He was more of a um, fundamental Christian. Um, but mother took me for my first reading, and that's when I learned that, um, that the planets could actually um, have some influence on what we did here and give us ideas about timing and so forth. So from then on, I studied astrology, and I started practicing it uh, in the early 80s. But I had to be a closet astrologer because Bob Monroe wasn't real big on it. 
he kept saying, well, maybe if you combine it with biofeedback, it might have more <laughs> substance. So mm -hmm. he, he, he did not give it any, any value, frankly, at all. So I could not speak about it at that time when I was the director here for seven and a half years. And so um, then after I left the Institute to uh, go and perform my passion, which of course is dealing with astrology and working with Joe and our company, Intuitive Intelligence Applications, what I have found in working with thousands of people um, and doing their charts is that astrology offers a, mean, a means to help people see like a blueprint of themselves so that they can um, look, at, look at themselves objectively and go, oh wow, I never realized I had that talent. So astrology can help people understand why there are certain issues. They say, oh well, tell me, um, what was going on when you were five years old? And it looks like it may have involved you and your mom. Wow. And they go, oh my gosh. And I'll say, well that's what is coming up to be looked at at this point in time. So you can look at timing, you can look at fundamentals in terms of the qualities of people. You can look at timing, past, present, future, it doesn't make any difference. Now in terms of the timing thing, there might be a connection there, you know, with remote viewing. One of the ideas is how we get the information is you're sending yourself information from the future to now about what the target was. So in that there perhaps are mm, some crossovers there in terms of how we deal with time, but otherwise, no, they're, they're separate entities. I do find it helpful, though, because, for example, as we speak right now, and we've already noticed uh, we have one little glitch in the system, we are in a period called Mercury retrograde. Have you all heard of that? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yes. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and we are there. So um, we're, this happens about three times a year, and when a Mercury retrograde occurs, it is about for three weeks at a time. And over the thousands of years, what astrologers have noticed noticed is that during a Mercury retrograde, communications are a little bit more difficult in terms of clarity, so more miscommunications. It is not the best time to sign contracts because quite frequently there will be a detail left out or a misunderstanding about a particular clause. So then after Mercury goes direct, then you're having to redo the contract. It's usually good to, to leave extra time for trips because um, you might find that there are more delays and so forth. So, uh, and here we are until June 11th, by the way, um, when it will be complete. It is a wonderful time, however, to review things, reevaluate, um, relax, any reword practically you can think of. So it's not for total loss, and, that, and our lives don't stop because Mercury is retrograde. I know some people even get fearful of them. There's nothing to be afraid of because they can be, bring rich understanding to us in many ways. It's just not the best time to initiate a huge um, new project. I wouldn't launch a business, for example, during a Mercury retrograde. So I do use timing of the planets and so forth in the business. When are we going to launch, let's say, um, a fundraising campaign? When should we uh, put this ad out and so forth? Um, so, yes, I do use it. I just don't discuss it a lot because it's not part of what we do here at the Institute, at least not currently. <laughs> so, right. does that help answer your question, April? 
It does. And can I just ask one more question about the, you know, Mercury Uh retrograde and with not signing contracts and trouble with communication? What exact, what's happening with the energy that would make for things like that to happen within the solar system? Um, Why does a Mercury retrograde cause that? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, I guess, like, so... Yeah, I don't really know how to ask the question. <laughs> I know, but I'm just, hard, I know it's but I'm, but I'm thinking like, what is it that may you know? I guess maybe I need to know more. Like, what does the retrograde mean? And is there something with Mercury in the way in which um, it's moving that it's sending out some sort of energy or vibration oh, okay. that causes these things to um, happen and why it's recommended not to make those decisions or to sign those contracts, because what is it within the energy of this three week period that you need to be cautious about? Good question. And the short answer is we don't know how it works. (laughs) The longer answer is, um, it's again, through observation and, um, understand that each planet, and and this is in astrology, each planet stands for, uh, represents a different type of um, energy, if you will, uh, or um, matter. And in this case, Mercury is the planet of communications, you see. And from our, obviously, Mercury doesn't really go retrograde. It just appears from Earth because of the way our orbits are and everything. It's kind of like being on, have you ever been on a train and the other train's moving and you think you're being the one that's moving and like you're going backwards or something. So Mm -hmm. it's the way you're looking at it. It is because of over all these many, many years of observation, astrologers noticed that when it appears to be going backwards, then Mercury, the planet of communications, isn't able to... um, it doesn't operate as, as directly, as forthrightly, uh, as it normally does. Why? Who knows? Same thing when, when um, Mars is retrograde. Let's talk about that. Mars, remember in mythology, Mars was the god of war. Mars represents energy, anger, sexuality. And when Mars goes retrograde, um, then we find that uh, for example, if you watch around the world, uh, if you look at armies and so forth, there seems to be a lot of stymied situations. Again, the energy is not quite getting out, because Mars rules armies, uh, as it should, or things get stopped. Um, Mars retrograde often means that certain uh, people who are particularly attuned to Mar- Martian energy, if you will, are not feeling as energized as they would usually feel. Venus is the planet of love. When Venus goes retrograde, for goodness sakes, don't get married during that time. Why? Well, again, the full expression of a planet is not being um, felt or offered during those times. Why does that happen, April? I have no idea, and (laughs) and I would love to know why. Um, And to my knowledge, there is no real good explanation for years people thought it might be electromagnetic but you know and of course if you watch the moon there's all kinds of lore about lunatics you know during the full moon people becoming more emotional well in fact that is true (laughs) right okay great thank you thanks for 
I'm sorry I couldn't answer more explicitly and say, here's how it works, but we, we honestly don't know. Yeah, no, that's okay. And I know it's a little, you know, off topic from the Monroe Institute, but it's also a pretty big part of your history. And, you know, you spent quite a lot of time, you know, working in that field. So I just wanted to get a couple of questions in for that. Sure. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And um, I was wondering, too, and kind of going back to the Monroe Institute, would you like to talk a little bit about the local chapters that you guys have? Because you're not only based um, in Virginia, but there's institutes all over the world now and then there's also these local chapters that people can can join right right we do this was started i believe in like 2008 2009 and this is all volunteer and the purpose of this the, the chapters is to help people um who perhaps have been through our programs even those who have not where they can, they can engage with each other and talk about stuff like out-of-bodies and, and altered states of consciousness, which even to this day, people are afraid to bring up in the business place and so forth because it's seen as weird. It's still French. And so these local chapters um, give people a point of connection where they can all come together and talk about stuff, perhaps listen to some recordings, listen to Hemisync, listen to Sam, to explore consciousness. And what Bob so wanted to have happen was to get this idea that we are more than our physical bodies, quote-unquote, out there. He wanted people to be aware of what they had available to them um, as, as, as a conscious human being. And so the local chapters help um, fulfill this to a certain extent where people can go and be, and perhaps if there are outreach trainers, and we also have an outreach program where people actually train weekend programs in their communities. As a matter of fact, I, I started that program with Bob um, back in 1986, the outreach program. And so currently, oh gosh, I believe we have about 117 trainers in about 30 different countries. Um, um, and 29 different states in the United States. So, and, and everything is ongoing. And again, this is all um, the, the local chapter network is volunteer. The outreach uh, community, the, the trainers do charge for their programs, um, and we support them however we can. We, we do not receive uh, financial um, rewards <laughs> anyway. There's no loyalty or anything coming back from that. But again, it's getting word out there. It's helping people understand uh, what consciousness is about and how to explore their own and then how to better their lives, improve their lives as a result. Yeah, I know the uh, there's a group down in Austin, Texas, and it's related with INAX, uh, which oh, yeah. is run, run by Bob Price. And well, at least at the time, it was uh, Bob Price was in charge. And it seemed like it, it was a very big group. They had invited us down back in... 2013, I want to say, when we uh, uh, released Beyond the Physical, our film, and it was a huge group, and it's, it was almost like three different groups actually converged, and they were all part of the same group somewhat, and uh, if anybody lives in the Austin, Texas area that's interested in this, I highly suggest you get involved with uh, uh, talking to Bob Price at INAX, and he can actually probably help you set up or get going in these other groups that are already well established and it was a very very nice community and they all knew each other and it was it was very what's the word very supportive group 
uh, it was a very very interesting crew very friendly they were very welcoming and uh i can't say enough good things about that group that was down there if you know we were only there like maybe a couple hours and we felt like family oh i love that and see that's the whole point of it that connection and that's what we are about we're trying to connect humanity here right (laughs) and 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 which reminds me of something else you may be interested in one of the things um, that we have started is something called uh, the Alliance for Global Consciousness. And what this was, I had this idea, oh, I don't know, months and months ago, it just hit me out of the blue like a gong going off, that we needed to combine efforts to get together with like-minded organizations so that we could support each other and improve not only what we're offering, um, individually but collectively and so we have a group now and it just started this past March of, of these like-minded organizations and this uh, our mission and again what we're calling ourselves is the Alliance for Global Consciousness and the Alliance mission is connecting humankind through the experience of expanded states of consciousness which is very much like what the local chapter network is doing right And at this time, the people who are involved with this are the Institute, Monroe Institute, ARE, Edgar Cayce's Association there, the Rhine Research Center in Durham, the IANS, the uh, International Association for Near-Death Studies, and ICEAM, the International Society for the Study of Subtle Energies and Energy Medicine. Now, that's a a big mouthful. (laughs) And Holos University, that's all one thing. And then also Marilyn Schlitz, if you're aware of her work, from Worldview Enterprises. Marilyn used to be the president of IONS, the Institute of Noetic Sciences. And so she's got her own company now, this Worldview Enterprises. So what we're doing is getting together, seeing how we can support each other. And I think probably in the next year or two, we'll have a huge conference where we're all doing this together and inviting speakers and so forth. And we're combining our various work because, you know, Edgar Casey, of course, dealt with healing. IANS deals with the near death um, and so forth. And, and then all of these, the, what do we have in common? It's the uh, research, education, and consciousness. That's wonderful. And using our skills. Isn't that fun? Yeah. So yeah. I'm very excited about that. It sounds amazing. And just to have, you know, it, it's, it almost seems so simple and common sense. Like, why didn't, why didn't we think about this beforehand? We're all doing the same thing. You know, let's all come together and, you know, create a greater force. So. Well, I can tell you, I'm sure I wasn't the first to think of it, but it's just the time had come for it. You know, right. It was time. And, so, and these other folks had thought about it, too. And a lot of, you know, a lot of us are not big organizations. Now, of course, the ARE has been around the longest, many, many years, um, since the 30s with Edgar Casey, And they are a huge organization. So it's not like they need us for any reason, but all of us working together in the Ryan Research Center, you remember J.B. Ryan was Mr. ESP, so he was the first one to really start serious studies in the United States, to my knowledge, and his daughter, Sally Feather, I don't know if you've ever interviewed her, but she was the executive director of the Institute for years um, at the Ryan Center, and now is its... Um, um, what would you call it, director emeritus, I guess, and John Cruth is the current director. And so it's, it's just been fun getting together with these people and seeing how we can help each other out and where we can take it to what next level, this whole understanding of consciousness. How many people can we reach? 
Yeah, I want to uh, also bring up about the Institute, um, and this is a, a friend of ours, Thomas Campbell, who, who has a history with the Institute. He's actually mm-hmm. coming back this summer to do, uh, was it called the My Big Toe? Right, um, right. And I, I heard that sold out very quickly. It did. I think we announced it, and within three days, uh, it was sold out. And I think half the people have been here before at the Institute, and half have not. They just love Tom and, and what he teaches there. And so um, this ought to be, an, and both of his programs are full, by the way, for this year. We're hoping he'll come back again next year. And uh, who knows where Tom might take this? He's, he's <laughs> real big on watching how things evolve, you know. Right. And um, we will be using Hemisync technology, possibly some SAM technology to to let the participants experience some of these other states. This, you know how he gets into defining reality and consciousness and all this stuff and space-time and so on. Well, um, after some um, lecture sessions and question-answer stuff and whatnot, then the participants will also be having experiences. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how this goes. Uh, we're very excited about it. And he will be working with one of our trainers, Patty Ray Avalon, who will be um, holding down the fort in terms of, of all the Monroe Institute parts of this. But it is fun having Tom back because Tom was right there in the early 70s. He's one of the early, early guys, you know, with Bob right. and, um, and the whole hemisync process and so forth. So this is exciting, um, having, having him come back to the Institute. Now, did you think that you'd ever return back to the Institute to be the director again after he's <laughs> had that come to me? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> it's, I had a number of times people would say, oh, well, would you go back? And i say, absolutely not. Paid at the office, been there, done that. Every kind of phrase you could think of, every hackneyed phrase. Because I love doing my astrology. I love working with Joe and our company in terms of of dealing with targets. In fact, Joe and I were going all over Japan while he was helping locate missing people for a Japanese television show. He became so famous, by the way, that wow. um, we'd be in the subway and they'd be asking for his autograph. I mean, it was something. But anyway, so I'm loving this. We're going all over the place. We're traveling in Europe and Japan. So, so it was it was December of 2013. Gosh, I can't believe it's 18 months now. And the board of directors then asked if I would come back. And it was like, there's that gong again. It went off. I looked at my watch. Yep, it's time. And it was like, there was no way I couldn't do it. It was absolutely, I hate to use this word, but it felt fated. It was, it was exactly the right thing to do. I still feel that to this day, again, 18 months later, even though you know I could use about 18 more people here <laughs> helping out. <laughs> But I do love this work and having helped with the early beginnings, you know, helping build the Institute uh, with Bob from the start, it feels totally appropriate. And um, it feels like my soul is being fulfilled by this. And I have the greatest staff in the world. So I'm very lucky to have the people and the trainers also that we have to work with. Um, I'm just very, very grateful all the way around for how this has turned out. Yeah, we, uh, we we can't say enough good things about the staff at uh, the Institute. We um, we actually visited, it was a f- very briefly in uh, 2013 uh, mm-hmm. uh, when Beyond the Physical came out. And we had met up with William, who was get, actually giving his 
courses there. And we did a screening of the show. And you, at the time, Carol was uh, mm-hmm. the executive director. And mm-hmm. everybody on the staff were, were very welcoming. You know, they said, oh, come and eat with us. And, you know, mm-hmm. they, they wanted to put us up for the night. And <laughs> but unfortunately, because of time, we had to leave early. But it was just a wonderful environment. And, uh, you know, I, we, we don't get paid to say this and you, know, you guys aren't a sponsor of the show, but we just, you know, love dealing with the Institute and, you know, it, it's, it's just a wonderful community, a group of people that support whatever experience you're going through. You know, it, it's just, I, it's just wonderful. Well, thank you. We, we, I appreciate that, uh, Mike, and many, many people, as you might imagine, feel similarly and in fact, after our participants come here, who come from all over the world to, to take our programs, feel like this is their second home. Uh, it's, it's, it, and it is. It, it is just, first of all, it is a glorious place in terms of, of the countryside and the mountains and the, the valley right uh, beyond us that we're in. And so between the beauty and the work we do, uh, and the people that we attract, and the people that are here. I mean, it is, it is it's stunning. It's, it's an exquisite part so far of my life journey, and I'm deeply grateful for it, I have to say. Not that there aren't some bumps. <clears throat> Not that there aren't yeah. some challenges. Of course there are. But um, overall, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, turn away from this or change this, uh, what I do for anything. No, you... As director, you probably see the trends over the years. You obviously have, you see the bottom line uh, where the numbers are going. Is, and I'm kind of leading you on here, is this, do you see an increase in people attending workshops at the Institute? Well, it's interesting. Or is it already plateaued? Well, yes and yes. Uh, (laughs) Okay. What we're finding is um, it's it's actually like a, a sine wave kind of thing. And uh, it very much depends on the economy, Mike. Um, uh, depending on how well the economy is doing, we, of course, our numbers go up considerably. And then I know back during the recession, the, this wonderful staff here, I was not here at the time, actually took a, a 20% pay cut in order to keep the place going. That was everybody across the board. And they are still here bless them. And so now what we're noticing is, I would think qualitatively what's interesting is people are much more um, savvy about meditation. Back in the 70s when we started, meditation was a weird word, you know? It was, it was um, uh, considered strange or unusual. So it was like pulling teeth to get people to come to programs in some respects back then. Now, um, again, some programs fill up in a snap. Other programs, uh, we do have to kind of uh, keep um, educating people about. So, again, it depends on the season. Wintertime, as you get towards the holidays, of course, is a difficult time to fill the program. So that's why I say it's both, yes, it plateaus at times, and then sometimes it goes up. And then during, uh, when, when the economy gets shaky, our um, program attendance goes down. Okay. And uh, I just got a, literally two questions left for you. The first question 
is where do you see the Institute going in, say, the next five to ten years? Mm -hmm. Okay, good question. And it is our intention uh, to see the Institute um, centers, like TMI, Bellman Institute centers, on all five continents. I would like to see a presence of the Institute in every single state here in the United States and uh, where we are having not just the programs we have now, not just maintaining the ones we have, but having more and more programs. Also, I should mention that we just started this, we'll be, actually will be starting June 22nd, our first online program. So I also see more and more online programs at some point finding somebody to do the apps that can take people into these other states um, using apps. And so I see our presence much more global than it currently is. And then the research we're doing, we currently are using Hemisync and SAM. And Hemisync, um, which people may or may not know, actually belongs to Monroe Products, which is like a sister organization to us. They own the registered trademark for that. And they're the ones who produce all the Hemisync CDs. So I see all this effort being combined I see us out there more, and I see different technologies coming beyond Hemisync, beyond SAM. I suspect we'll see a combination of audio and visual, and perhaps even kinesthetic, things we can't even envision right now, 10 years out. But I see us providing the centers for this new cutting-edge technology in terms of consciousness and teaching people how to use it, again, how to improve their lives with it. Just where they say going viral, it's more than that, it's just, it's just absolutely every light on and every, you know those little, the, the um, Google map thing or the Google globe where you see all the lights on in the countries, all yes. those little lights yeah. I'm seeing across the world, and it's not just TMI, but we are certainly one of the core places, again, I go back to how we are working with others, it's not just our stuff, it's ours plus other people's working together. And my last question is mainly directed at you. You grew up in this studying consciousness since you were a teenager. How is that affected your outlook on, say, consciousness in general? And say, looking at you know death, we all are going to hit it eventually. We're all mm -hmm. going to die. What is your your view of death? Most people fear it, but. Mm. Uh, I have a feeling that since you you know you started mm -hmm. with it at a young age that you probably have a different view of death. Right, I do. I I um, I presume I do. I shouldn't say abs with that with such absolution, but um, I am not afraid of death. Actually, it's the getting there that I'm not looking forward to. You know how you know how people end up dying. Um, right. I, w I wouldn't want to get there by a long disease process or whatever. But in terms of what's after this particular life, um, I'm excited about it. I don't want to invite it too early. I'm, I'm still I'm addicted to physical matter reality. What can I say? I love being here. And when it is time to go into that other way of being, I will welcome it with open arms when it's time and not a second before, I might add. And again, it's it's um, I'm sure we continue on. I have. I have no qualms about saying that. I, I, I feel like I know it, not just believe it. And again, why is that? Because all my life I've been experiencing 
states of consciousness that have led me into knowing I am more than my physical body. So death is simply the release of this. It's like taking off an old coat when I put my body over here and then I go on and who knows what I might be experiencing and doing and how I will be being um, after I, I cross over from this particular reality. Okay. Great. Well, it was yeah. so nice talking with you, Nancy. We definitely would love to have you back on in the future. And would you like to let people know where they can get more information about the Institute? Thank you very much. And it's also been a great pleasure for me, um, April and Mike. Thank you for having me on. And yes, anyone who is interested in learning more about the Institute can go to our website, which is MonroeInstitute.org, uh, or can call us. And the phone number is, of course, on our webpage. But for those who uh, may not even have a computer these days, there are such folks still. And our phone number is 434-361-1500-1500. So, um, yes, please give us a call. Come by. Uh, well, actually, you can't exactly come by. We don't give uh, tours um, because the programs are always taking place. People are always in the middle of their programs. But do, do get in touch if you have any questions or would like to know more about what we do here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you'd like more information about our films or to purchase our DVDs, you can head on over to our website at thepastseries.com. They're also available to purchase on amazon.com. Our films are also streaming online at vimeo.com, guyamtv.com, and iTunes. If you have a show suggestion or would like us to interview someone specifically, please feel free to shoot us an email at info at thepastseries.com or send us a tweet at thepastseries. Please rate and review us in iTunes and subscribe. We hope you enjoyed the show.